Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, I need you to buckle up for this one. This is going to be, we're going to cover a lot of stuff, and uh, I think we'll get through it, but uh, I'm going to be dealing with something very, very important to understand. And, and I think it, 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 it's one of those things where we're going to step way back, way up high, and just see the whole playing field and, and see the big picture of what God is up to. And when we have that view in mind, then when we're in the middle of little things, that knowledge of the big picture helps us. Like, have you ever wondered why the news is so predictable today? I mean, it really is. Somebody famous or somebody rich or some celebrity preacher or some politician or somebody in Hollywood, it seems like on a weekly basis, someone's been caught up in some sex scandal or some financial scandal or some sort of perversion and uh, somebody caught trying to buy their future, their kid's future. and. And, uh, and, and the reason it happens is because people believe that money brings happiness or they believe that money brings power or that money brings privilege. And, uh, and at some point, they believe there's no accountability. They can just do whatever they want. Well, Revelation chapter 17 and 18 really puts the high altitude, big picture of understanding all of this. And so when those things happen, we really, really, we're not surprised at all, but there's a reason for that. And the Bible kind of gives us some bookends that kind of explains how we got to where we are. But the good news is it tells us where we're going to end up, which is the best news of all. So I'm covering a lot of material today. We might go go a little longer. In the last service, uh, I I cut out a whole bunch of stuff in the middle of the sermon because I knew I just wanted to get through it. And you're sitting there going, well, preacher, if you just start, we'd get through it. So um, here we go. Um, there's, There's a city in the Old Testament you know, to understand the future, y'all, instead of just reading the end, Revelation, you got to go back to the beginning to Genesis chapter 11. Uh, there was a city called Babel, and God had told everybody, you know, you, when he created the human race, he said, now go and scatter out and, and dominate the world and replenish it and create families. But man's always got a better idea. Man always thinks that uh, they know what's best. And, and so they basically said, I'll tell you what, we're not going to do it God's way. Uh, we're going to start making bricks and we're going to start building a city and it's going to be an amazing city. And we're going to build this massive tower that'll draw everybody to us and it'll kind of thumb our nose at God. Say, look, we, we've got our own heaven here. And... That place was called Babel. And so God, who's not to be trifled with, he sent down an angel and the angel confused their languages. 
And uh, that's when all the different languages began. That's, we, we can, bl I can blame the people of Babel for why I had to take foreign language in high school and college and hated it. And uh, so it's their fault. So God confused their language. They scattered just like God told them to do in the beginning, but there was a spirit in Babel and that spirit spread with them. And that's what we're going to unravel today because we're going to see the other book in, and that's Babylonian. So now back to Revelation. The spirit that was in that place called Babel scattered over the entire earth and scattered the entire, is still scattered over the whole earth. And the spirit that uh, was in the place called Babylon, there was an actual city called Babylon, and... Um, and there have been lots of cities that represent Babylon, just like today. There are cities that kind of represent Babylon, but more so, there's a spirit of Babylon. And as we go through the text today, we're going to realize, you know, the spirit of Babylon is in our country. The spirit of Babylon is all over the world. That's what we're going to see. And so here's, here's what was happening. People began setting themselves up as if they were God. And when we set ourselves up as the supreme authority of the universe, well, that's what this is all about. We think it's all about us, and we think we are in charge. And, and so it's more than a place, it's an attitude. So let me, let me go back to Genesis 11 again and just listen to this attitude. Let us make bricks so we can be proud of ourselves so that we can say we did it without God. That's, that's what they said. Let us build a great city so that we can look only at ourselves. We don't even have to pay attention to God. Let us make a name for ourselves and let us not be scattered over the whole earth. But they were. You know, one person said it this way, Babylon is entrenched worldly. It's an entrenched worldly resistance to God. That's what Babylon is. An entrenched worldly resistance to holy God. We decided we would dig in our feet and we would do it our way and do what pleases us. And God gives us free will, but there's a day coming when the accounts come payable. Now, you, you might have remembered from other sermons that I've preached about there are three ways that we're tempted. There's the world that tempts us, our own flesh tempts us, and the devil tempts us. So the devil, Satan, uh, he tempts us by laying traps for us and enticing us. The flesh, that's what's inside of us. We kind of tempt ourselves. Satan can't, cannot make us do anything, but we choose. I mean, this is why I'm held accountable to holy God for the choices I make. I can't blame it on the devil. It's my choice. And, and then there's the world, the philosophy of the world. 
the direction of the world, the system of the world. So Babylon is a picture of that, the picture of the world's philosophy, organization, system against holy God. And and this system that we live in today sets itself up against God. I mean, isn't it amazing that people will say that they're Christians and they're members of churches? I'm talking about even politicians, but yet every decision they make is so contrary to what the Bible says. So let's look at a couple of things. In Revelation 17, chapter 17 and 18 of Revelation are such key chapters, absolutely key chapters. And when we understand this, and, and, there's, and I want to tell you, it, it, there's a lot of confusion in there, and I'm not going to dig down on that. I'm, I'm going to just take it and simplify it for us. I have to make things simple so I can understand it. So we're going to simplify it and see the big picture of what God really wants you to see. So in Revelation 17, beginning at verse 3, there's this woman that's sitting on a scarlet beast. So the angel took me in spirit, this is John talking, into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The the woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and and beautiful jewelry, jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. And in her hand, she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. So this woman sitting on this beast is a clear picture of what Babylon is. You see, the picture of red throughout the Bible, especially in Revelation, is a picture of Satan. It's a picture of sin. And so this reminds us that Satan is the father of, of the city, the spirit of Babylon. Just as Satan, it was the father of Babel, he is the father of Babylon. And that spirit of him controls that, influences that. And and that's why, well, it, it all began with him. It's why it was his idea because he, he's against God. And he wants to mar everything that God says is good. Everything that God says is good, Satan twists it. And and so Satan, he is the source of sin. But the fact that I choose to sin is not Satan's fault. That's mine. And that's why God holds me accountable. He's the source, but I choose And it's important to realize that the source of all evil in this world is Satan himself. The source of anything in this world that sets itself up against holy God is Satan himself. He's the father of the world system. Hey guys, uh, do you remember that day you looked in the mirror and you went, oh my gosh, I look just like my dad. Or you said something, uh, you were talking to somebody and you said something and, and all of a sudden you thought, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm repeating what my dad said. 
uh, this, we had a family reunion this past week with Mary's family and Mary and I were sitting there having a conversation and Meredith, Mac's wife was standing there. And, and at the end of our conversation, Meredith went, oh my goodness, that's, that's exactly what Mac says. And, and so she was hearing my words and realizing Mac was repeating those words. And, and so that, uh, and I feel sorry for him, but, uh, <clears throat> but it's important to realize that here's what's happening you become like your dad. And so if Satan is the father of the world system, the world becomes like its dad, Satan himself. You see, um, Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. And, and that's why the world's full of liars. I mean, that's why you and I just assume we're being lied to by some politicians. We just assume that everything we read, that some of it's just bold-faced lies. We assume we're being manipulated at times with lies. You see, the world is acting like its father, Satan himself. Satan is also, he, he twists whatever is good. Well, that's why the world is filled with that. People who twist whatever is good. Satan comes to accuse. And that's why the world is filled full of critics. People who love to accuse and destroy and suppress other people's lives. You read about it all the time. You see it all the time. You don't have to spend much time on the internet to see it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like their whole uh, websites that are designed just to tear people down. Well, Satan is the source of all of that. So when you look at the world, it's not too hard to see the character of Satan. So this is where, when we're living in it, we see the politician, we see the newscast, we read the articles, things, you know, we see all this stuff. And, but when we back up and get the high altitude, we realize this is Satan's domain. People are being like their dad. That's a very important picture for you and I to see. For you and I, though, as Christians... It's very different because we know Christ. That's why it's different. And because we know Christ, we begin to look more and more and act more and more like our father, God. We begin to look more and more and act more and more like Jesus, or at least we're supposed to. And that's why we love other people. That's why when somebody's really messed up, we want to help them. That's why when somebody makes a bad mistake, we want to help them out of it. We want them to know forgiveness, unlike the world. We want to be like Jesus and be a source of healing, a source of caring, a source of love. We're becoming more and more like our dad, our father. Second point, 
Babylon looks just like Revelation 17 says. The, the Bible says um, this woman is dressed in purple and scarlet. You see a lavishness in Babylon. Glittering gold, precious stones and pearls. And, and that's what the world system does. It focuses on materialism. Now, it's not wrong to have stuff. But when that becomes your driving force and then when that becomes what you live for, well, that's different. And so the materialism, it becomes overwhelming. That's, that's what everybody's living for. You know, as we talk through about Babylon, we're, we're going to see that in the past, the present, and the future fulfillments of this city, it, it's all about materialism. I mean, in the day that the New Testament was written, Rome, the city of Rome, was the Babylon of that time. And they had the power in the world. It was a place of incredible materialism. And you could go through the list of all the kinds of material waste that was part of the Roman Empire. Uh, just one example. They had a favorite drink that they would drink. They would take pearls that cost by today's standards hundreds of thousands of dollars. It would be one of the most expensive. It was the most expensive drink you could have. And they would have these parties and they would take pearls and they would melt them in vinegar and add some other drink to it. And then they would drink that. I can't imagine what that tasted like. But the reason they did it was they would say, just because we can. So they would have these crazy, amazing drinks, they thought, that were outrageous in cost just because they could. And... Um, I mean, they spent whatever they wanted to just because they could. But here's the deal. Rome did not produce anything. And that's why they had to keep on conquering so they could keep on collecting taxes so that they could keep on buying what they desired. Well, that's the spirit of Satan. So they have this focus on materialism. Then the last half of verse four, it says she had a, held a golden cup in her hand. Now, those who know the Old Testament in that, in that day knew exactly what this was talking about. In, in Jeremiah, there was a prophecy about the physical downfall of Babylon. You see, Babylon, an actual city, had taken Israel captive, part of God's judgment because they turned their back on God. And it took them captive, and then God came and set them free, and then absolutely destroyed Babylon. In Jeremiah 51, it says, Babylon has been a gold cup in the Lord's hands. Uh, see, that phrase right there just lets me know and reminds me, God is always in control, even when it doesn't look like it. God is always in control. Babylon has been a gold cup in the Lord's hands, a cup that made the whole earth drunk. The nations drank Babylon's wine and it drove them all mad. When you drink the Kool-Aid that the world offers, it ultimately destroys your mind. The way you think, 
which destroys the way you live, which destroys you when you drink what the world has to offer. It's a kind of immorality that not only impacts your life, it influences everyone around you. That's the kind of place that Babylon was. Number four, uh, this place, it says the title was written on her forehead. The title was Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of all prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. (laughs) What a picture. Their business, Babylon's business, was prostitution. Now, not in the way you're thinking right at the moment. You see, God used that picture of prostitution. It's whenever you are loyal and committed to one, but you sell yourself to another. And this happens to Christians. When you say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, but then you're enticed by Satan and his crowd, and you sell yourself to that crowd for all that it has to offer, God is saying you're prostituting yourself. I, and th- this is why the Bible says to Christians who walk away from the Lord, the Bible says, return back to your first love. Return back to your first love. And that's Jesus. Otherwise, you're just selling yourself. Oh, you think you're getting what you want. You think your life is good. You think everything's great. But I want to tell you, when destruction comes, it's going to be complete. See, God looks at our incredible value, but the world does not. God looks at you And he says, I bought you with the most incredible price, the life of my son. The world says, I can get you a discount. God says, I want all of you. The world says, hey, I got some coupons for you. You're going to like it. I mean, God offers you the real deal. The world offers you counterfeit. Number five, she's drunk with the blood of the saints. So here's what that means. Their religion is anti-God, not atheist, but anti-God. It's not just ignoring the people of faith, it's hating the people of faith. In fact, it's martyring the people of faith. Why? Here's why. Here's why the people of faith are martyred even today and will be martyred in the future. Here's why. Because the world cannot stand to be in the presence of truth when they've chosen to believe a lie. And you represent truth. So when you run into someone who is anti-God, anti-Christ, when you run into that kind of person, you represent everything that they hate because it's opposite of everything they love. And that's why they hate you. 
So you step back, big picture, and it's Satan hating God. Satan's people hating God's people. That's what's happening. Because they cannot stand to be in the presence of truth. So materialism, commercialism, a religion of anti-God, where is this place? Well, it's the whole earth. Ba- Babylon's not a city today. It's a spirit. And the spirit, uh, you know, and Babylon's a very attractive place. If it was a city in our country, it would be in the top 10 of most desirable places to live. It might not, it'd probably be number one. I, I mean, it's a desirable place. It has everything you could offer and it's great. And, and you would love it there and you'd have the best of everything except it's all empty. It's all empty. You see, if, if, you, if you miss the point of what we're talking about today, and you miss the point about Babylon, then you're gonna miss the point that you and I today are facing a world system that is birthed by Satan himself. Now, here's the good news. God's going to one day finally destroy all that is evil. I mean, completely. In fact, this woman that he's describing, she represents the exact opposite of the bride of Christ. She's the bride of Satan. You and I are the bride of Christ. Babylon is the exact opposite of the new Jerusalem. Babylon represents a city of Satan and his crowd. The new Jerusalem is God and his crowd. And the Bible tells us, well, Babylon is a picture of a city that's the ungodly opposite of a new Jerusalem that's yet to come. Now, from God's perspective, which is the only one that matters, Babylon is going to fall. The spirit of Babylon is going to fail. And when it happens, it's going to be quick. In fact, the Bible says within an hour, literally within an hour. In fact, an angel demonstrated to John what it was going to look like. And he took this large boulder, a milestone, a millstone, and he threw it out into the water and it created a big splash, a massive splash. And, and the ripples, the after effect were there, but then it all went still again. And he said, that's how quickly Babylon will be destroyed. It'll be this massive thing and then it's gone. You know, let me, let me put it this way. If I told you, I've got two stocks for you to choose from, and these are guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed. One stock is very desirable. Everybody wants it. Everybody's buying it. But I guarantee you it is going to go to zero. Absolutely is going to go to zero. Now, you'd be a foolish person if you bought that stock, right? Right? Guaranteed to go to zero. But I've got another stock for you. Not a lot of people want it. Not a a lot of people are buying it. 
But I can guarantee you it's going to be the most valuable stock that has ever existed. And right now, it's absolutely free. Now, you'd be a wise person if you took that stock. This stock is called Babylon. Worth a lot. Everybody wants it. Very valuable. But one day, within an hour, it will completely collapse to nothing. This one, absolutely free. All you got to do is ask for it. And the world hates it, doesn't want to have anything to do with it, praying for its failure. But one day, this stock, well, it has a name. It's called the New Jerusalem, heaven. And it's going to last for eternity. And the returns are assured. And the returns are absolutely amazing. So which one do you want? Which one do you want? Well, let me close with this thought. And let's get a little practical. In, in Jeremiah 51, 45, it says, come out, my people, flee from Babylon, save yourselves, run from the Lord's fierce anger. And, and it's going to show up. But let's get a little practical about this. The Bible says we're to live in the world, but not be of the world. How do we do that? How do I live in the world and not be of the world? I mean, there's some extremes you can do. One is isolate yourself from the world. And uh, some people do that by becoming monks and live in a monastery. Uh, some have done it by, by being a part of an Amish community where they cut themselves off you know, from any electronics and any electricity and they're not going to uh, have anything to do with the world. But that's not what God tells us to do. He tells us, and, and, well, in fact, even within the church community, we build our little subculture Christians. And, and so we isolate ourselves from the ones we need to influence for Christ. So how do we live in the world without being part of the world? We step back. We see the big picture. We see the picture of Babylon and we recognize it for what it is. And then we go into Babylon and we find anyone who's willing to listen and we show them the way out. We tell them about this other stock, this other city that they can have permanent residence in. And we tell them about Jesus who made it all possible for them to be in this other city. So we go into the world with the mindset of bringing those that we can out of that world, out of the spirit of that world.
that's being salt and light that we're told to be. That's obeying the great commission of making disciples. So you see, you see how the Bible ties together the beginning and the end, Babel and Babylon. This place called Babel at the beginning where everyone is scattered in the book of Genesis and in the book of Revelation, Babylon is totally destroyed. And then instead of being scattered, God brings all of his people together to a new city called Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. That's cool. He's scattered, and then he's going to bring together. And you're a part of that. And you get to be a part of that. And that's amazing, good news. So, step back. Look at the whole big picture. And see how Satan has a lot of people that are just like their daddy. And then you have Jesus. And we want to become like him. Let's pray.